Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground, alternative activist empowerment talk radio, speaking truth to our and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro, that's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? I am a revolutionary. It's just about what we didn't do. Amen. Then it speaks to us and the possibility for us as a future person. Because ultimately, our people's future resides on what we do outside of the White House. African descent family, America failed. She put them in chains. The government put them on slave quarters, put them on action block, auction blocks, put them in cotton fields, put them in inferior schools, put them in substandard housing, put them in scientific experience, experiments, put them in the lowest paying jobs, put them outside the equal protection of the law, kept them out of their racist bastions of higher education, and locked them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America? No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God... Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our Common Ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk, that matters. Transforming truth to power. One broadcast at a time. And now to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. And good evening and thank you so much for joining us right here at the Sanctuary for Black Thought, Ideas and Solutions. This is Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham. I moderate this thing. Um, want to uh, thank you if you are listening on your listening devices and uh, to let you know that you can join us, we have an open chat room right at blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG. Um, tonight at Our Common Ground, we're glad that you have joined us for a discussion that really centers around something that I always enter into this broadcast thinking about, and that is, how do we juxtapose what we consider our steps forward uh, in the wor- in this world that we are immersed in in this country? Uh, that a world that really is, and we try to remind you, 
worst, worse than what our parents endured. Um, we are trying to tonight bring life to the phrase serious times, serious thought, serious discussion. Uh, many of you who are new to us uh, sometimes find that our pace is slow, our endeavor is serious and has depth that is disconcerting as talk show. Well, I've been doing this thing for 32 years now, both terrestrial and Internet. And I think that what we have to do is understand that even our international image of uh, of even the international image of blacks have not changed because we have an African American president or because Bill Clinton played a saxophone. Um, if you listen to this show, we try to help you connect the dots from the shucking and jiving minstrel shows where people are ranting and raving and yes, there is much to be angry and outraged about as black people in this country. Um, but we try to examine a continuous mechanism of manufacturing and crafting a sense of who we are in the context of our history, in the context of our political platform, in the context of our socioeconomic um, endeavor and struggles, and really begin to understand that we have to take control of our agenda. So tonight at Our Common Ground, coming to to us once again is our friend, our Common Ground voice, Yvette Cornell. She is the power broker, blogger and thought leader in politics, social, and cultural issues. She's the editor of BreakingBrown.com and Your World, Your Black World. Tonight in our discussion with uh, Sister Carnell, we're going to be talking about a number of headliners that we think is important for you to target and through examination and investigation. One of those things this week, many of us were just terribly not only disappointed but outraged at the exoneration of the officers in Cleveland in a report on the assassination of 12-year-old Tamir Rice. We're going to be looking at the status and impact of Black Lives Matter as a group of representatives of that movement met with Hillary Clinton. We're going to be examining the Justice or Else rally, which marks the 20th anniversary of the Million Man March and what it means. Uh, Brother Minister Louis Farrakhan has published uh, an outline of what uh, Justice or Else means and what that platform looks like, and we're going to be talking about that. And, of course, 
with Yvette, we're always going to be talking about the politics of the of the day, which include um, trying to make sense of some of these candidates on the GOP side, not some of these, you know the one, uh, think Ricebox, Uncle Ben Carson. <laughs> And we hope that you will join us in this conversation at some point at 347-838-9852. Let me tell you a little about Yvette Carnell, if you do not know. She writes about politics, international and cultural issues for your black world. And she is the founder of BreakingBrown.com. You should subscribe to BreakingBrown.com, and I will provide more information about how you do that in the course of this broadcast. Before embarking on a career in new media, she served as a congressional aide, first to Senator Barbara Boxer, Democrat of California, and later to former Congressman Marion Barry, Marion Barry, a Democrat of Arizona or Arkansas. I'll have to ask her. In her time on the Hill, she also worked as regional field director for America's Families United, one of the largest nonprofit get out the vote campaigns active during the 2004 election cycle. In the broader Democratic Party, she served as assistant to the director of the Women's Vote Center at the DNC. She has since distanced herself from the Democratic Party and considers herself an independent, and we will talk to her about that. Her articles have been featured in the Huffington Post and Your Black World. She has been featured by national news outlets, including but not limited to The Nation, The Guardian, Politico, and NPR. She is a B.A graduate in political science from Howard University, and we are so pleased to be able to have her back with us, and right after that, right after this, she'll be joining us here at Our Common Ground, Yvette Carnell. So I think in terms of the breakdown, we have to question Four things, really. We have to question having racial spokespeople in the first place. What are, what's, the nece- what's the necessity of that? There's no white racial spokesperson. Why do we need one? I think you have to also question, even if you're going to have a racial spokesperson, or even, you, even if you're going to pick someone to speak for your community, you have to get someone who knows how to play the political game. You can't get someone who has no resume, who came up as a pseudo-activist in New York, as a sort of street preacher without a church. That doesn't that doesn't bespeak a serious community. You're not a serious person. We're not a we're not a serious people. If those are the people we choose to do our bidding, and I, I think it does call into contact what I just into what I just said in terms of the do for self, in terms of you know this guy he's worth all this money. He's just you know he's a hero to entrepreneurs. I'm sure, but look at him now. He's he's just saying you know why people won't let me in. So all of these things come into account when we're thinking about. Um, Al Sharpton, and 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 why it's necessary to not only um, let him go, to not only say, "Hey, Al Sharpton, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he never should have had a time, but your time is up, 
and it's time for you to walk away. You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. I'll be listening for you. Stay tuned. Now, welcome back to Our Common Ground, my sister. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? Thank you for having I'm me. Hang, I'm hanging in there. The cold is rolling in into Boston, so I'm making the adjustment. I'm as good as the cartoon in a pack of bubblegum. <laughs> Listen, I just want to tell you how much I continue to enjoy uh, breakingbrown.com. I know that I can always get there and figure out what's going on if I missed it a couple of days. So <laughs> um, <laughs> if I'm just out of the loop, I can go find out what really are the things that are important and what they mean, what they and the facts about them. Yvette, yeah. let's start off by talking about what you think are the most pressing issues before black people and events um, that that we need to put our hands around, that we need to connect the dots about? Oh, well, oh that's, that's an interesting question. I mean, in terms of, I mean, where do, where, it, where can we begin? Uh, I mean, shit, drop jumping off from everywhere. So we've got to figure out. <laughs> we've got to figure out what's important. Well, I think I think what we have to figure out is that what we have been doing in terms of in terms of all of the issues that are important to us, what we've been doing is kind of you know moving the chairs around on the Titanic. Um, and and that we can't do that anymore. I mean, one of the things you wanted to discuss on the show, I know, was Black Lives Matter. It's been it's been it's been central. You know, it's been the ongoing theme. You know, from the hashtag to to, to criticism of Darren McKesson, to people who support Darren McKesson, to you know, what is this going to morph into? The Hillary Clinton thing. You know, they got schooled by Hillary Clinton the first time, then they had a more professional meeting, then there was a spinoff, the Campaign Zero, and I think in terms of the Black Lives Matter, I, I think that is essential only because. There are so many teachable moments in the whole Black Lives Matter, um, I won't call it a movement, but the, 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 the series of protests. I think mm-hmm. there are a lot of lessons there. So I think that's, that's, that's an important thing just in terms of if we pay attention, one of the things that we can learn about, about what is not a movement and what we can learn about um, how, to, how to turn that into a movement and what we mm-hmm. can, you know, what we need to do in, in sort of moving forward. So that that's kind of central to me. Uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. what's happening in terms of how how people, black people, and, and and even white people now are being debilitated by globalization and these trade partnerships. You know, it doesn't even get it doesn't even get media news. You don't even get media coverage. You're not going to get Black Lives Matter to talk about this TPP deal and and the role Obama played and the role black elected officials played in that. And that's part of the problem. Well, let's start with, um, about a year ago, Black Lives Matter spokespeople, blah, 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 I don't, they were talking about, they got started at, 
at the murder of Trayvon Martin. And then it switched off to Ferguson. And then it switched back to Trayvon Martin. My concern is a, a number of things, and I want to ask you about them. Um, one is that I don't get the sense that Black Lives Matter has a structure that can effectively touch bases on the local level. I mean, you can't leave – I mean, let's take New York City, for example. Black Lives Matter will work in a community, in, in communities like Bed-Stuy and, and, and Brooklyn, Queens, because there, is, there are existing infrastructure for political action, meaning there are a number of grassroots organizations that have done the education, that have done um, what they need to do to create at the grassroots level um, some some political intelligence. But then you move into places like Texas and Florida and Alabama and even some parts of uh, Louisiana, Tennessee, uh, Ohio, Iowa, it, it, it seems that there's no touching of the regular poor people that where Black Lives Matter really ought to matter. You get what I'm saying? No, I, I think you're ex- I think you're exactly right, and I think that's I think that's the frustration. The the criticism of of those who are at the top of Black Lives Matter who, who who head the group is not necessarily a criticism of them per se. Although you know with, with McKesson it has been personal you know sometimes, but the criticism is really that this is not being you know this is not becoming a bottom up movement. This is mm-hmm. this this is this is a movement. This is like a lateral a movement. But this is this mm-hmm. is a top down. You're seeing you're seeing this, and people. That's what I don't want to see. And there's people say, "Well, you're you're just hating on Black Lives Matter." It's like, no, what I don't want to see is another is is another something that's looked at as a movement where you have people at the top tier who are talking down to working class poor people and who are dictating the terms of the agreement and using that sort of leverage to. To, to get themselves a, a, a position in the Democratic Party, that's what I don't want to see in terms of in terms of what in terms of activism. Mm-hmm. Now you've gotten you've gotten to the core of it. That's the core of it, Yvette, in my mind. That these are people with an agenda in 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 many cases that they are looking for visibility rather than viability. Mm. And that's why they got creamed with Hillary three months ago. That's why they got screwed. That's why they screwed themselves, even with Bernie Sanders. Because, you know, the allies said, wait a minute, hold on. (laughs) Who are you? The other is, and I'll tell you something interesting. I, I, I got a photo of uh, the meeting with Hillary Clinton last week, and I don't see Sean King at the table. Mm. I don't see Alicia um, Garcia at the table. You know, and and you look at this and say, who are these people? 
well, well, you remember, you remember that was that was that was a very key moment for me. When you remember when the when when one of the the, the so-called supposedly Black Lives Matter people snatched the snatched the the, the, the microphone from from Bernie Sanders yes, in Seattle. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and she said something to the effect of it's time to put black people at the forefront, you know, or, or foreground or something like that of the progressive movement. And the first thing I wonder was, you know, was this a plan, you know, that came from people at the at the at the ground at the grassroots level? It didn't look like it. Didn't look like it at all. And then when they were kind of called on it, what they said was, you know, we don't really have a hierarchy. There are a lot of people in Black Lives Matter, blah blah blah. Which sounded to me like a bit of a cop out. You know, if you're going, if you're going to, you first of all, I don't think I think you need some sort of hierarchy. I used to be kind of one of those people, like, well, you know, let's 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 not have hierarchies as much. Let's let it be a little bit more, you know, anarchical. But no, it's it's, it's you should have a hierarchy of some sort. You should have somebody mm-hmm. that reports to somebody because somebody has to be accountable. Goes down, yeah. somebody has to say, yes, that came from us, no, that didn't come from us, or whatever, what have you. But it looked like just a stunt. And, I, and then the, the second part of that is the last thing I want to see is just something bubbling up that just and, and it's supposed to be great just because it has black people at the forefront. That's not anything. So it, it made no sense in terms of why you even grabbed that microphone. So it just looked mm-hmm. like a stunt that didn't have anything to do with helping poor black people who are, you know, who are struggling, who are in Ferguson, who are probably still dealing with the ramifications of what happened, who are struggling in Baltimore. It seemed very disconnected with, with what was happening on the ground to to to, to poor people. I, I have to I have to agree with you because I went to two meetings here the the. The, the group that met with Hillary, that went to went to Hillary Clinton's rally in New Hampshire, they were late. They didn't make prior arrangements to be in the meeting, and then they met with her, and they were talking about somebody's heart and the feelings, and and she <laughs> and she just wiped them the floor up, um, and and in these two meetings, I sat in the back of the room. Uh, with some other elders from Boston, and we've been around a long time in this town. And they never talked about some kind of structure to even do focus groups, academies, or something to explain to the people who they want to... I, I, I just got no sense that they were... They wanted to do anything with some people. <laughs> they just wanted to talk. <laughs> so um, I wrote a note to one of the people that I knew from one of the community centers, and it was a question, and, and asked, asked her to ask this question. Are you going to organize in hospital workers, and are you going to organize and talk with people who live in public housing? Because Boston has one of the largest public housing authorities in, in the country. I think it's second I think it's second to Los Angeles. So <clears throat> um, when the question was posed, uh, one of the young people said, well, what do you mean? And that was when I left. <laughs> <laughs> I just said I can't do this. I no words. So I think that I am confused, and I don't often get confused because I listen very carefully. I take notes. I ask questions. 
I am really confused as to what is the goal. Is the goal to get people to understand what Black Lives Matter? Is the goal to give communities an agenda? And if that's the goal, it goes back to what you just said. It's leadership from the top. It's misleadership from the top down. And we've been there before, and we know what happens as a result. And then you've got, and I want to ask you, I know you know, what was it? why was Zero Campaign splintered off from Black Lives Matter? Wasn't, wasn't that interesting? Remember yeah, that, remember, yeah. remember preceding that, there was this whole spat, um, a very public sort of spat on Twitter of all places. Um, about you know there was there was something going on with Dream Hampton and 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 Darren McKesson reached out to Bernie Sanders for a meet and she was wondering about why he was she was he was meeting with him as opposed to her you know if she was on the board instead of the board members and it was just like public like jockeying for position and power and you know who cares if it's unseemly I don't mind unseemly but it, it it was it was just apparent to me that there were people I didn't even know Dream Hampton who for people who don't know was a, you know a writer, you know, very much involved, you know, very very much knowledgeable about hip-hop and those sorts of things. I didn't even know that she was a part of Black Lives Matter. So when I saw this sort of sort of public squabbling, it, 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 it's, that's, what, that's what triggered in me the idea, you know, these people are jockeying for power. And I'm not saying that just because, oh, I'm anti-Black Lives Matter. I'm saying that because that's the history of the black elite in this country to always sort of jockey for power and, and get what they can and, and broker for well, poor black people who usually don't get anything, you know, get much out of it. So when I saw mm-hmm. that, that was my takeaway. And I thought that was very telling in terms of what was what was up for grabs here. And it mm-hmm. made me fearful that what was happening here is that you had people who were going to, to leverage their positions in Black Lives Matter to eventually become like candidates for various offices within the Democratic Party. And that's what that's what that's what I envisioned. Now, and I tell people all the time, they say, well, is that are you just opposed to all these movements and Black Lives Matter is all we have? And I'm like, no, it's not all we have. You have people on the, you have people who just can't, you know, were, were hunger striking and, and you know, it, you know, uh, 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 you know, you had that. You had people who were doing hunger strikes. You had people who were rallying, you know, and in Chicago, you had people who were organizing and trying their, their hardest to, to uh, you know, to rally against this closure of schools. Uh, in Chicago, so I mean, you have people in these different communities on the ground who are doing these things. What I am saying, and what I have always saying, is let's not fixate over Black Lives Matter. There are people on the ground doing good stuff, and we would do well to to, to try to give them some more attention and support. Well, you know, after they uh, after they met, got blistered by uh, Hillary Clinton, and she had to tell them, "You have to build a, a, an agenda. You have to build a platform." You have to spell out your ideology and your strategies, which is essentially what she was saying to them. They came back with uh, a plan, and the plan was focused on uh, police brutality, police terrorism, um, had very little to do around education, had very little to do around other social um, <clears throat> social service political legislative action and I was kind of disappointed with that then you didn't hear any more about this plan so um, I, I, I have to agree that 
We were all young once. Oh, by the way, uh, Yvette, you ready? Don't don't fall off your chair. I've applied <laughs> for my Social Security benefits. <laughs> <laughs> I am having a great time telling people that. <laughs> I am not retiring, but I'm collecting my shit. <laughs> you, you, you better, because <laughs> cause they may that that might disappear after a while if these um if this house has its way. So I'll reach full retirement age in in January, and I'm going for it. But here is an organization. That had the. This is where I get kind of like annoyed. Here is an organization that had the ability to talk beyond the talking points and begin some serious organizing because um, they they this Black Lives Matter. And you know, can I can I tell you something? It mm-hmm. was Stokely Carmichael. Kwame Toure, who coined the phrase "Black Lives Matter," they didn't make this. They, they didn't mm. come to this by themselves. In one of his speeches, I think it was at Fisk University. Um, you know, but he wasn't in the university. He had to be outside the university because the university wouldn't let him in because he was stoked with Carmichael. <laughs> Don't ask. So. Um, um, and the other is this platform, this plan that they have, is nothing new. But because they're young and because they have this slogan that young people, uh, high schoolers, college students are drawn to, they had a real opportunity. And the only chapter of Black Lives Matter that I know of is at Lincoln at Florida A&M, and at Howard. So where are we? Mm-hmm. You know, we did a show a couple of months ago, and you know you like the titles of my broadcast, and it was Black Lives, <laughs> Black Lives Matter, Please Call Home. <laughs> I, I, you know, I have to get something from, from, from this work. <laughs> And and I was really asking the question: When are they going to come home? Well, isn't that the question? Isn't that the question, right? I saw a lot yeah, of that's the question of Darren McKesson when he was speaking at Yale. And it's not it's not the it's not the issue of and even I was critical. And it's not because I have a problem with Darren McKesson being in the Ivy League space. I don't. I have no I have no problem with that whatsoever. I have absolutely no problem with that whatsoever. And I have no problem with the you know, the, the comparison that other people made and said that, you know, Malcolm X was also in that space. The difference the difference for me is what Malcolm was I, saying. I know in somebody is not comparing Delray to Malcolm. Yes, they were. Oh, yes, they were. Oh, yes, they were. Get out of oh, here. Oh. Oh, Malcolm gets diminished every day by comparison. Oh, girl, to I gotta get but, me some cookie gum and smacks. <laughs> <laughs> I did not get that one. Oh yes, that was that was a comparison. But you 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 look you look at and after that comparison, I went and looked at looked at what some of Malcolm said. You know, and Malcolm was was calling the government to account, talking about empire and 
and and and and Western oppression and all of these things. And I then I then I went and looked at you know McKesson's comments. There were a lot of people who were live tweeting, you know, and tweeting about what he was saying. And it was it was it was a whole it was a whole lot of nothing. It was a whole lot of you know if if you if you, you Malcolm got allies. Malcolm X did get some allies. Well, he got those allies by telling the truth. He didn't go around talking about allies, and he knew where his base was. Like, I want to know with these people who are traveling from protest to protest, where is your base? It's, being an activist is one thing. Being an organizer is another thing. Where are you organizing? Well, and some of those people who were organizing on the ground have been left behind. Some of those people who mm-hmm. were organizing from the beginning on the ground in these places where we saw, like, Ferguson, and these people have been left behind. They've been left in, they've been left in the dust. And 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 you know the 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 interesting part is some people activists that I really have respect for they're not asking the appropriate questions about any of this you know and I have friends who say you ought to be proud of these young people I'm proud of them that they can articulate for 15 minutes what the issues are and they do that very well but you have to be smart if you're going to dig in, and you have to be strategic in when and where, as Pearl Cleese would say, I enter, because they're going to be picked off one by one, except for the man that was asking about your feelings and your heart. <laughs> Nobody's going to want him. <laughs> forgetting. We have forgotten Ferguson. We have forgotten Trayvon Martin. I mean, nobody, I mean, where are, you know, this is a big thing, and you know it's a big thing for me. Where are all the black lawyers who need to Mm -hmm. develop a coalition, and I'm not talking about the black lawyers uh, association. I'm talking about a coalition of working how did the white lawyers get Wells Fargo? They they coalesced. They dug in, they did the research, they made the um <clears throat> they made the contribution to get that case into the courts and win. That's how you do it. So here we are with all these lawyers go to your alma mater and and mm-hmm. go to the Harvard and Yale and and, and all those places, um, and I'll call out Boston College, and and nobody has decided to everybody sit down at the table. How are we going to figure out a legal strategy to deal with those people who oppose and and seek to deny us? Justice. You know, I read a report the other day that um, more than 67% of black judges in this country get overturned uh, 67 times more than white judges. That'll tell us something, a little something, something. Um, But we we wish Black Lives Matter, you know, um, well, and hope that 
they can establish an infrastructure. I mean, I have been calling for street academies for 15 years. We need to go into these parking lots, in front of these convenience stores. We need to be handing out information about how these kids can go learn to read, how what they know about Malcolm and Garvey and Julian Bond and Thurgood Marshall and anybody else they don't know anything about. They need to, I mean, because um, we are, they are lost. But if we start, you know, mm-hmm. Black Panther Party here in Boston, we used to have street academies. I mean, literally, we had crates. <laughs> And we would stand on the corner in the in, in we would stand on the corner in the tradition of Garvey and and Malcolm and make speeches. People coming out of the grocery store, we making the speech. Kids hanging on the corner, we making the speech. We go to basketball court, make the speech. Um, and and we've got to learn that those things actually worked. Um, mm-hmm. If you can't, you can't say that we are changing the world for our children unless we're reaching the children, and we've got to have a wider vision of who our children are. Because your daughter and your son gonna marry one of them one day, or shack up with them, or have a baby with them, or whatever they do, and and then you'll be stunned. So yeah. I, I, I don't understand why Black Lives Matter is not doing that. I don't understand why Black Lives Matter is not working with um, Sister Ross on issues of black reproductive health and rights. Where are the lawyers who are bringing the suit against the state of North Carolina for the sterilization of hundreds of black women in the 1950s and 60s, where is that? Because that is what black lives matter. Where are the predator, the, the, the banking and financial institution predators? Who Who is taking them on in our community, the payday loan people and the, and the people who charge $25 to to charge to um cash your check and 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 well, debt it was, collectors it was, go ahead it was it was it was very interesting uh it's funny you mentioned debt collectors there was a story and I and I, I published part of it in Breaking Brown not long ago um probably last week I think uh about the way that uh debt collectors target um black people for 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 debt collections in, in terms of taking them to court and pursuing a judgment against them. And it's even when you account for income, you know, it's disproportionately targeting people in black communities. And they 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 went to, um, I think the article I read initially was in Truth Out, and the, the, the writer went to Jennings, I think it was, it was Jennings, Missouri. And mm-hmm. even the, the striking thing was even the city council, which was majority black, uh, the majority of them had, had been sued for, 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 sued in court, even the black mayor. Had had the same struggles, so it's even your politicians are being targeted by by these people who aren't who aren't going well, after well, white people who are similarly situated. Look at what just happened to the city councilor uh, who was tasered in his own driveway. Mm-hmm. And he had just voted to give the police a raise. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, I know. So I'm I'm saying all of these are opportunities. There are so many strategic opportunities uh, for these people to take. I, I, I but but I do want to mention and get get your response to this. Have we forgotten Baltimore? Mm-hmm. I don't see your president sending his secretary of education, his secretary of health and human services, his secretary of health and uh, um, housing and urban development, and his one of them civil rights um, um, assistant uh, attorney generals uh, t- to Baltimore. No. It's as though the federal, the White House and the federal government is disconnected, and I don't see Elijah Cummins talking about it. And that's well, the, 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 I mean, Obama's phoning it in at this point. He doesn't care, and he know he doesn't need to care. You know, when you have when you have Black Lives Matter go into a room with Hillary Clinton and Hillary Clinton, even at, even in the recent meeting, she said something very interesting. I think where she used the word plea. Well, if you want this to be more than just a plea for something, you know, the idea that, I mean, when you when I think about organizing, and true enough, I'm not an organizer, but I've talked to a lot of them. And when you think about organizing back in the day, like it was, it was you had to reach out to these people. You had to reach out to these organizers. It was not them begging. It was not always them begging you, begging you as the president for a meet. You had to reach out to them because they were dangerous. You know what I mean? They had the ear mm-hmm. of people, and everybody knows that's what matters. You're not seeing that now. You're seeing, you're seeing, you're seeing, you're seeing, you're seeing Derek McKesson on Twitter saying, you know, how, you know, reaching out to the team, Bernie Sanders team, you know, for a meet, and and saying, you know, you know, reaching and those people reaching out to Hillary Clinton, you know, for a conversation. This is not even the tone in which this sort of atmosphere of congeniality and politeness is not even the tone where that you want for for that kind of radical change to happen. So I think what we're seeing is the movement towards some sort of marginal changes where we kind of shift things around a little bit, some moderate reforms that won't that, that won't really impact the lives of, of working class and poor black people very much, or poor white people either. You know, it won't impact these people's lives very much at all. I think that's what we're moving towards. Well, I I just I see a lot as you as you mentioned at the beginning of this part of the discussion, I see an awful lot of grassroots people struggling with protests and placards and trying to meet with the mayors and the city councils without much support. And I really thought that George Soros taking these young people, training them how to do what what they do that it would be a great resource to teach to teach leadership and organizing in the community and that that is not happening it is not happening let's um we're almost reaching um a quarter to the top of the hour and I do want to talk to you uh about this exoneration of the officers in the Tamir Rice case. Mm-hmm. We should be up-checking all over this country about this. And people are just being outraged on Facebook as far as I can see. And and the poor poor 
25 or 30 people in Cleveland who are protesting had no support. The NAACP at the national level, the Urban League at the national level, the uh, uh, Reverend Sharpen didn't go there. I, I, I just, uh, <laughs> Black Lives Matter didn't go there. And I am, and here goes back to what the, um, what the, my whole notion about um, the National Bar Association, um, Benjamin Crump is the national president this year. Well, he has a four-year term. So I, I, I'm not sure if, as a community, we have the capacity to respond. I mean, we keep telling, we keep hollering about we want justice, but we're letting the system define what that justice is, justice. what justice means. I mean, no, I think that's. I, I, I mean, I, I think you're you're totally right in terms of we let the system, and we can even. It's not even. It's not even just that we let the system define. That's that's only part of it. We do let the system define what justice is and what it means. And so you're right there. But the other part of it is we one of the one of the highlights, one of the silver linings of these past few years is that we have seen black people in the street. You know, when an injustice happens. But the the sad thing about the Tamir Rice case is that you had this officer, I was his name, like Lowman or something like that. And it it showed that this officer was basically he he, he never should have been hired. And he shot a 12-year-old within like two seconds of arriving on the scene, and that's okay. And there's no massive outrage. The people who call themselves organizers of Black Lives Matter were not organizing. In in in, 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 in How can you not be organizing in Cleveland? Not only where this happened, this is a place with a – you know, a fairly substantial African American population. You are you you are the organizing supposedly the organizing force right now. I don't know how you don't have a presence and how you don't have a plan with how to deal with that. I just that that's something that just sort of blows my mind. Well, you know, and we also you know I I I, I very often um, when I criticize. I also have solutions. I mean, you've got a city council in in Cleveland Mm -hmm. that's turning off people's water, um, just as in Detroit. And you've got to have a multiple-dimensional, a multidimensional strategy to deal with this at the political level, at the economic level. You've got some major businesses that black people spend their money in. I mean, one of the things, and Yvette, I, I, I talked to you about this before. When, when black people stop paying taxes and saying until this shit is fixed, you know, and and you can you can stop paying taxes for six months and get everybody's attention, and you can do that legally. Uh, but you better be ready. You can't spend the money. I, I want you all to know you can't stop paying taxes and then spend the money, and then when it's time to pay the taxes, you don't have it. 
It's a strategy. Yeah. You go into your into your HR office. You tell the people, "I want to, I want to claim twelve dependents. You can't claim more than thirteen. I mean, more than twelve. I want to claim twelve dependents, which." For most people, takes you almost off the tax tax roll, <laughs> and 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 you do that for six months, and you announce that that is a strategy, and it's legal to do it. The IRS can't touch you on it. When it comes down, comes back time to file your taxes, you claim the legal amount. So, <clears throat> um, that's one kind of economic. Strategy. The other kind is to target two or three businesses. We have got to stop. We have got to stay out of Walmart and Pizza Hut and what's that other place? Tar- uh, Targets. Everybody that could, could contributed to Alec in any way. I mean, I I just don't understand why there isn't organizing around that. The other is to also push these governors. Who's pushing the governor of Maryland around what happened in Baltimore? Who's put, I mean, everybody thinks that, you know, okay, Freddie Freddie Gray's family got $6.1 million, but that's allowing the system to assign a worth of a black man. Um, the other is that we've got to have a legal strategy there, and that is while the city and the, and the, and the uh, DA might bring certain kinds of charges, there are other kinds of charges that can be brought against those police officers and that police department. And we're not doing that. You know, what happened, um, I mean, you put pressure on the White House by filing reports and complaints with the HUD uh, Office of Inspector General about what happened to the funding and, and whether or not HUD's regulations were followed in the displacement of poor people in Baltimore. And then there's this other thing that I just don't get, and that is agencies that get federal funding who are not doing the kind of enforcement uh, job, job that they need to do in order to enforce the, 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 the regulations that are on the book relative to federal uh, uh, federal programs, and uh, and so many of these programs are federal, uh, are have federal funding. So I'm I'm not sure um, where that kind of organizing comes from, and it just continues to have our political uh, landscape all distorted and obscure, and and you know. Maybe when I get my Social Security check, I'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, 
I, I don't, and, and okay, let's talk a little bit about Baltimore, Ferguson, and and how much black media has done around investigation and researching of what happened in those cities, what the outcome was, what's the status now, and what people really are in need of in terms of community empowerment. Let's talk about that. Well, let's talk about let's talk about black media in general. I mean, okay. the, the thing that and the thing the thing that I'm I'm actually sympathetic towards, and this may surprise you, I'm actually somewhat sympathetic um, towards black media organizations that 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 don't necessarily do a good job. And here's why: because I've thought about this for a long time. Part of the problem is. If you tell this story, and I tell it, I'll, I always try to tell it, even if it's not sexy, even if it's you know, it's not necessarily. But the problem is, you have we we exist in a space now where everybody is trampling over everybody else to get to the Beyonce article. Everybody's trampling over everybody else to get to the Kanye article. Everybody's trampling over everybody else to get to the article about you know is that Malia in the in the video in the picture with a beer pong? Was she drinking? Everybody's trampling to get over to everybody else to get to articles that don't matter and that don't affect the lives of, of, of regular working black people. And that is a problem. And that's a problem with new, new media. You know, we used to live in a world where you could subscribe to a paper. And if you subscribe to the paper, that paid for everything. So the, 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 if you had so many subscriptions as a newspaper, you knew you could predict your revenue and, and, and build your stories and write the kind of stories that you wanted to write. Now we live in a new space, and some of that is good because there are no gatekeepers. You can do what you want to do and write what you want to write, and it, it's up to you the kind of attention that you get for your articles. Some of that is up to you, but part of that, part of that is so crowded. The space is so crowded right now, and everybody is chasing for that next click because that's mm-hmm. where the money's coming mm-hmm. from. So they don't care about the headlines. So you have much less in the way of investigatory stories because people are like, even when I do that, I'm going to invest a lot of time and energy, at least in that story, and I'm not going to get very much in terms of in terms of a return. Mhm, mhm. Well, you know, this is October, and we've already had the the C uh, the the uh, CBC F uh, weekend, and we don't know what came out of that. Party? We don't know what came out of that. <laughs> <laughs> they had lots of they had lots of nice forums, but oh, um, always, you know. But we don't know what came came out of that. Then the well, NAACP has, huh? Or the year no, before? I had, friend, I had a friend. I had a friend go last year and said, you know, and I said nothing happens at those things. He said, I said I used to. I, I've, I've gone to a couple when I used to work on it. He said, Well. You know, we discussed, you know, what's going on with your alma mater in terms of their financial situation. I said, yeah, well, you get back to me when something happens based on that conversation. And I haven't heard back from it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that one of the things that we do that that's really problematic is we're jumping from one event to the next event almost on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I, I, I must have gotten 25 emails just in the last week about the ebony cover on Cosby 
haven't read I haven't read that that edition yet. But um and and what it means. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means that Lamar what's his name? O Odom OD'd on cocaine and Viagra or whatever it was. I don't know what that means. It means nothing in terms no. of of how we empower our community. And it's really a shame that people know more about that than they know about what legislative action is happening in their Congress. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> did you watch the debate? Which one? The, the Democratic one, the most recent one? Mm-hmm. I, I watched yeah. I watched for about ten minutes and I heard Hillary Clinton tell me two times within those ten minutes that she would be the next woman president, which would be somehow um um transformational. And as a as a person who is just now sorting to, to deal with the hangover of the identity politics that came out of the Obama administration, I just couldn't take much of that and I walked away. <laughs> I hear you. I I, I, I I listen to most of it, and and I'm thinking here we are once again with our options for only tweedle between tweedly d and tweedly dumb. Um, and we we keep being behind the ball on that. Because all year long, everybody's trying to figure out what camp can I get into where I'm going to get rich, or what camp or become a celebrity, or be accepted, or whatever um, other language and terms you might use about that. Um, and the the next thing before we go to break, and we're going to have to go to break. Uh, what's wrong with Ben Carson? <laughs> <laughs> I oh, am listen, sorry. Listen, I, I only think Ben Carson really taught me something that someone can can have all of their knowledge compartmentalized in one section of in one section of their brain or one section of their expertise and be totally devoid of substance and knowledge in the other. And that's what I learned from the, the guy. I mean, it's, it's it's really sad to watch because this is a guy who was a, who was a hero among black people for his success. Yes. And now he's just allowed the Republican Party to kind of make him into some kind of little caricature, which is just very sad. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you, and you know, when they did that with Herman McCain, it didn't bother me t- it didn't bother me at all. I didn't even pay attention to it. Uh, but when you take the, as you say, a legend. But you know, all I knew about Ben Ben Carson was what I read in his book and what other people have written about him. And I, I just couldn't imagine: is this the real Ben Carson, or did they steal? They did they steal, steal kidnap him, and they got somebody. Else. <laughs> <laughs> this man has said some of the most outrageous things. And last week, um, he said that all welfare kids are going to go to prison. What? <laughs> that's 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 just one of many. 
That's one of the long line of dumb comments he's made. <laughs> and, and and then and then I'm tagged in some Facebook post where people are actually defending him, black people. So I'm not sure what happened, but something happened. Yvette Carnell is with us here on Our Common Ground tonight. Our number is 347-838-9852. If you'd like to get in on this conversation when we come back, we're going to be talking about Yvette's favorite topic, the Million Man (laughs) March. Just what else? I mean, is it uh, just us or just? Just as our else, (laughs) this is our common ground. We'll be right back. Hey, Daddy, what that day? Why that under there? And oh daddy, oh hey daddy, hey look at over there. Hey what they doing there? And where they going there? And daddy can I have that big elephant over there? Hey who daddy my chair? And what she doing there? And oh daddy, oh hey daddy, can I go over there? Hey daddy, what's a square? And where do we get air? And daddy, can I have that big elephant over there? My quiz is a kid, man, he doesn't want anything here. He's forever demanding to know who, what, and why, and where. Because our society is only as strong as all its individuals. The United Negro College Fund has helped educate thousands of doctors and researchers. But we need more. Thousands of architects and engineers. But we need more. Thousands of teachers and biologists. But we need more. And when disease, injustice, pollution, poverty, and countless other problems threaten to pull us apart, we had better educate every single person who has the potential to solve our problems. And to educate more people, we need more of your help. Give to the United Negro College Fund. With so much at stake, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. I Declare Show is where we deal with the difficult real raw right now. If it's real raw right now, talk media. Come on, baby, say it with me. It can only be the I Declare Show. Talk soon. Join my friend and colleague on Blog Talk Radio every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. The I Declare Show with India Declare. Are you breathing oxygen in? Are you raising the energy up? Or are you bringing the energy down? There's no middle ground. It's your real, raw, and right now talk radio. I Declare Show, Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Blog Talk Radio. I declare it. Dealing with the difficult... Real raw right now. The I Declare Show. Baby. Hey! 
Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Now back to Janice. And we thank you for being with us tonight, and we encourage you to go to BreakingBrown.com and subscribe to the newsletter where you get the news that you need right in your inbox. Tonight, our guest is Yvette Carnell. She is the editor and founder of BreakingBrown.com and the editor of Your Black World. Um, Yvette, we've got some questions in our chat room that I want to get to. Um, And one of those questions is, why isn't the National Bar Association coming up with all these ideas you're bringing up, BJ? (laughs) An organization of black lawyers should know these things. Why aren't they doing something, or what is it that they are doing? (laughs) Okay. And the other question is, um, I saw the other question, that was from SiriusX1, um, a comment um, that um, reminding us that it was the students who began the sit-in demonstrations, the hierarchy of known civil rights organizations were initially against the sit-ins. Remember? Yeah, we do remember that. Uh, and the other is, don't you go to jail if you don't pay taxes. Yeah, I'm suggesting withholding. <laughs> I'm not suggesting you don't pay the taxes. Didn't I say, be clear, I said for a six-month period or eight-month period, do an economic boycott of the United States Government of America. You tell them you have 12 dependents, they take out the, they take out your taxes based on those 12 dependents. When you file the taxes, you go and you claim you're legal, but you can't spend the money that you get. You have to hold on to the money because you're going to have to pay that money anyway. Uh, we are so glad to have Alpha my dear, dear brother in the chat room tonight. Uh, And for those of you who are fans of the Alpha show at TruthWorks Network, Alpha is leaving the rehab center tomorrow morning and going home. And I'm going to be calling him every hour on the hour to make sure he's not eating popcorn and barbecue. (laughs) (laughs) And and no Popeyes. (laughs) That's out. Thank you again for being with us, and don't forget to remind your friends that we are here every Saturday night at 10 p.m., and we provide some of the finest ideas, examination of the issues. We tell the truth about stuff because we have people like Yvette Cornell of BreakingBrown.com joining us. Yvette, okay, let's start... um, I I will admit that I attended the first Million Man March, Um, and I attended the first Million Woman March in Philadelphia. But then when the Nation of Islam called the 20th anniversary, and then they called it the Justice or Else Rally, Many people were saying, or else what? 
And during the course of, and I, I watched that, there were some very fine speakers at the rally, but then it kind of like deteriorated. Give us your take on what happened. Oh, I know you were, I know you were home eating popcorn. <laughs> you know, you know, I actually, I actually didn't even start to watch it um, until a friend called me and said, "You, you got to see this." Like it was, it was during uh, Farrakhan's part of the speech, and I'm sure there, there are always some, some good, well-meaning people who show up at these events who are, who you know, who have the best of intentions. Um, but leadership matters. All I'm saying, leadership matters, and 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 I'm not, I will never be pro the leadership at this rally. So. My whole thing was I, I turned on and tuned in and saw Farrakhan say something to the effect of, you know, the 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 the, the you know, um, this nation, you know, will never, you know, America has no future for us and she has no future for herself. And then you turn around and ask America for for a piece of land the size of California. You know, it, I mean, it, it was it was just the it was just the most outlandish sort of unicorn loving you know, thing, imaginary thing I think I'd ever heard. And and this and what blew my mind is that listen, this guy has been the leader of Nation of Islam for decades. This is not some Johnny come lately. This guy has been the leader of, of the Nation of Islam with, with with many bow tying wearing Negroes at his disposal, you know, who will do anything for him, who have who have who who view him as a god. They have deified this man. And here you are, Mr. Let's do for self. Let's 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 remove ourselves from America. Let's create our own and not worry about the government. Telling me that we going that our solution is to ask the government for a piece of land the size of of California, outside of the other stuff. You know, so for me it was just, you know, I've told everybody that as far as I'm concerned, Farrakhan is just another conservative preacher. That's who he is. We have a lot of conservative mm-hmm. preachers in the black community. He is a conservative preacher. And I'm not going to be led by a conservative preacher. If you decide to be led by a conservative preacher, that's your business. But that's not who I am and that's not what I follow, especially when the ideas are just awful in terms of what they're going to do for black people. After decades of, of, of leading this organization, after Malcolm Malcolm X's demise, this is what you have to give me? This is what you have to show for it? This is this is your grand idea? This is what you brought us to this is what you brought all these people down to Washington D C to tell them? I mean, it, it was to me. It was just. I, it was. It was. I mean, it was. I could. I could barely. I couldn't. I can't take it. Well, um, I I listened to the entire thing. Um, I really was touched by the National Justice Alliance talking about prison reform, um, because that's one of my um, hard things. Uh, has always been part of my activism. But when he started talking about who killed Malcolm, I kind of like, I I think my sinuses inflamed. (laughs) 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 And I'm saying, what? And he went on and on and on. But what you're not telling my audience is how you got into it with Minister Farrakhan before the thing even happened. And you know you got to tell us about that. Because cause them, 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 the Bowtie Brotherhood was was after you for about Ooh, two weeks. the Islam is fierce, ain't it? <laughs> they, I mean, they really did come for you. They did. I mean, listen. This is what happened. I, there was the, you know, 
Farrakhan said something to the effect of in, in the run-up, in the marketing campaign that led up to, in the branding campaign that led up to the march, which is really what it was, he said something to the effect of, you know, we need to start rising up and killing those who kill our children or who kill us, something to that effect. And I said, listen, don't buy into this. I said, I don't want any, I don't want to see any 17 or 18-year-old kid or whoever is listening to this saying, yes, what we need to do, and he pops off at a cop. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not a person who is saying that I am always opposed to, 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 to violence and react to oppression. I'm not. That's not who I am. But if you are going to do this sort of thing, you, you, you better lead the charge. You have all these black people at your disposal. Don't tell me about what we need to be doing or what we need. You get started and lead the way. And I said, listen, I told, you know, I think the headline was something to the effect of every, you, everybody needs to ignore Farrakhan in terms of where he's trying to lead us and, where, and this inflammatory rhetoric. Because he hasn't, he hasn't led by example. If you want to do that, then you need to be the first one to pop the grape in the food fight. That's what you need to do. And if you can't do that, I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from you, you know. So, so that, that led people, you know, that, that, that video, it was actually a YouTube video. It was only like six or seven minutes long. And that YouTube video went viral. Um, and, and it, you know, it led to a, a, a response by someone in the nation of Islam who, who, who took me on and I challenged that person, you know, to a debate and he refused um, because I could mm-hmm. tell he was reading his cards off, off camera, off, off, <laughs> off his laptop. So I was like, well, let's have a conversation. Let's, let's have a debate on camera. And so after that, I'm, you know, getting all sorts of stuff in my inbox and blah, blah, blah. And eventually Farrakhan, you know, told Dr. Boyce Watkins, who I work with at Your Black Word, that, you know, Yvette has a right to say what she want to say. And it was a passionate thing, you know. And, but the idea that I need any sort of validation, anybody has to say, Farrakhan or anybody else, that I have a right. Of course I have a right. You know, of course mm-hmm. I have a right to, to criticize this person. Of course I have. And, and, and let me tell you, part of what really bothers me, is this thing that black people have about crabs in a barrel. The idea that if you criticize another black person that you're a crab in a barrel, the real, the real issue is that black people don't criticize enough black people, that we have this sort of pigment allegiance that we will expect kind of a scoundrel, no matter who they are, because, well, that's a brother or that's a sister. No, I look at what you're doing. I'm not looking at that anymore. I'm past this whole thing of just, of just saying this person's a brother or sister just because this person is black that I'm going to accept them and, 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 and be, be one with them and be there for them and support everything they do. That's just not where I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, they sure, they, sure, they sure came after you, but I tell you, uh, the brother, brother minister's speech, which was two hours long, um, just deteriorated toward the end. When he started talking about cooking and 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 sewing and housemaking, I said, "Okay, uh, I just I guess I won't get one of them nice dresses one of those ladies have." <laughs> because no, you don't get a dress. You don't get a dress. <laughs> I I don't think so. We've got a caller event. We're gonna go to six four six. Thank you for holding. You're on our common ground. I respect you with Yvette Carnell. Oh, DJ, I respect you. Um, hey, this is hey there, brother. brother hey, listen, first of all, to Brother Alpha, I'm glad to hear that he's on his way back home. Um, I hope he's doing well. And, um, you know, maybe you'll send him some newspapers and stuff like that to read. 
so he can get his politics <laughs> back on and get his mind We're hoping right. to have him but, back as soon as he's ready on TruthWorks Network on Fridays at 10 p.m. Well, um, I, I've I'll already listen, told listen. him I don't have to. I would. I won't have to get a, hop on a plane and 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 come to Chicago to spank him. Well, we'll keep him in order. I know. This whole um, show that was put on when was it last week or or the it was last weekend week before yeah. last with Louis. Um. You know, the bottom, the bottom line, honestly, is he really has no plan. And the sad thing is that we as a people have no type of visionary leadership like we did back in the day that were trying to guide us somewhere. And at this present time, it just seems like, you know, black people have no real agenda on where they're going because they're too caught up, honestly, in being part of this um, European society. And in the process, you you have the gay mafia members coming heavily into play that it seems are the ones that are directing what is supposed to be our struggle to move forward in this country. We have the what? The gay mafia. Call? I call uh-huh. it the gay mafia. And, and, Who and, is and the gay mafia? The, you know who the gay mafia is. The, the LBTs, the gays, and, and all others who, who are out there promoting an agenda that's not healthy for black folks. And and well, I mean, well, I, I well, know yeah, that you feel that Jay. we've had Barry Rustin and the rest that have been part of the struggle back in the 60s, yes, we did. But, see, I but let me say this one thing. No, I'm not mad at him either. I'm, I'm just saying, let's be clear that what their agenda and what they're trying to promote is basically using us to get to the next level, just like white women did, and just like other nationalities have used our movement to promote their agenda. And in the process, we as black people get hurt. You know what I mean? And I I think we don't realize that. If we were to begin to realize that, we won't have a repeat of what we've had through these other groups using our struggle to promote and gain their place in this society and acceptance and... Black folks not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's Let's get a reality, response from Yvette. Well, I, I, this, this is the only thing. I don't know about the gay mafia, but one thing I will say is that I, <laughs> it, it was you know, it, it was blatantly apparent that, you know, that the people at the head of the movement stole, you know, all of the civil rights rhetoric and, and kind of made it their own and, and, and used that to kind of push it through. And, I, you know, it is what it is. But I, I, think, I, think, that's, I think we got a lot bigger worries. Than, than 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 them co-opting, you know, it was it was kind of shameless the way it was co-opted, and, and they did the whole thing. It's just like the civil rights movement or whatever. That was kind of shame. But I think I think black people, in terms of what's happening, in terms of what capitalism is doing, and how the globalization and how nobody is speaking to that, nobody is speaking to how we're being killed and decimated and 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 relegated to to to, to and marginalized. I think we got a we got some big fish to fry, and and that ain't one of them. 
Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you may feel that way, but, you know, the bottom line is when you have this whole, as they say, the new Black Lives Matter movement, you have those who are the head of it in that 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 realm, then, you know, they're going to set forward in the, in the end their agenda being promoted and our agenda being put on the back burner. And, see, black people can't well, you know, be placed in that situation no more, Chris. Jay, because we don't have, so we don't have strong the, leadership. Historically, that's what happened with the women's movement when it infiltrate, infiltrated the civil rights movement and incorporated women's rights into the civil rights organizations, it, it diluted. I agree about that, it, and, and that we have to be resistant to that. We but now, have BJ, too many... think about this. Just think about this one thing. One of the heads of that movement was this woman, Gloria Steinem, and that whole feminist movement and everything. And if you really take into context what the feminist movement has done to the relationship between black men and black women, it has not been healthy. The feminist movement should be, and and I mean, I'm going to catch heck for this, that should be a white thing. Because what happens is it's used to pit black men and black women against each other because their values become twisted in a European way, it has it. It doesn't. In the, when it's all said and done, the fight that black men and black women are having are over European nonsense. It it, it really doesn't have anything to do with our collective struggle to be able to survive in 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 this position here in America. Because if you want to be honest, you know every other nationality in this country is advancing except for black folks. And the thing is, you have wingnuts like this Ben Carson and the Donald Trump and the rest of them who are putting forward these smoke screens, and you got black people going along with this. I mean, Ben Carson, I don't care what nobody says, is probably one of the greatest neurosurgeons there has ever been. But he is not a politician. And for somebody to say that he is a politician and he has a vision for America, a.k.a. white folks, they're damn fool. Because the man has no no vision and he should not be placed into the spotlight in the manner in which he is to be looked as someone opposite of Obama. And I mean, I'm no fan of Obama, but Obama is a career politician, and you can't compare a career politician with a neurosurgeon and use him as our value. Here's the bottom line. As we all know, this um, uh, uh, Republican Party, the teabaggers and uh, the freedom fighters or whatever they call themselves, um, these are all people who have come down to their own source of white supremacy. If Barack Obama, an African-American man, can be president, then I can be president. No, I don't, I don't think so. That's what it comes so. down to. 
knows I, 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 what, I think Ben Carson? Are you saying Ben Carson? Anybody he could never be president. But but I mean, but you have the skills, the skills to be president. You have all the char- characters that should be a president, but they would never let nobody like you into the White House, BJ. You know that. I mean, it takes a special type of Negro to be placed in yes, a situation absolutely. that Barack Obama has. No one like yourself would ever be placed in that position because they know, number one, you can't be bought. They know that you're going to say things that white folks don't want to hear, and they go give a damn how they feel about it. I mean, if you, I mean, in seven years, and now going into the eighth year of Barack Obama's administration, I, I, I really would like to get Yvette's take on this. Has we as African people on the whole progress on the level that we should have if we had somebody that was authentic. We haven't progressed We're, at all. Forget about progress. No, that's right. But, but, but here's oh. the deal. Everybody who decides to run for president has already bought into the game. Mm-hmm. Except already for people like Ben. Yeah. Uh, except for people like Ben Ben Carson, because I really think something really wrong with Ben Carson at this point okay. in his life. Uh, I mean, so every you know what what we have to do is to accept, and I've been saying this on this broadcast for years. We have got to look inward. The White House has never fixed our problem. And I don't know why why we thought uh, seven years ago it was going to all of a sudden start fixing our problems. We've got to look at a national agenda. I mean, I, I just don't understand. Prison, uh, school to prison pipeline. There should be a national coalition. And that national coalition should be going to every major urban center in this country, training people to understand what that problem is, how it comes to be, who is involved, who finances it, and how it is connected to not only education, but it's connected to health and human services, and it's it's connected to a whole host of lobbying and how to stop that, how to dismantle that whole thing. Then there should be, I I, I can't, we cannot do this on a national level. We cannot fix the police brutality, police, police department mismanagement, and the issues of injustice in the courts of Cleveland from a, from a national, from a national organizing platform. The world doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah, but so black we've got people don't have up. a lobbyist. Black folks don't have have a a, a, a lobbyist on any and level. Maybe that's, that's why we need one. But I'm, I, I, I'll folks. leave you with this: when Obama leaves out of office in the next couple of months, year and maybe two or three months, black folks better not say nothing. They better not open up their mouth and criticize Hillary Clinton when she get in office. 
because mm-hmm. um, they better not open up their mouth and say anything. Because I'm telling you right now, she going to do black folks worse than her husband did. And her husband, as far as I'm concerned, led to some very, very serious problems that have been created in the black community with things that he has done. And I think she's more of a warmonger than he is. I think she's a bigger liar than he is. I just think she's the worst person in the world to become president of the United States. But listen, America wants a woman because they've had a so-called black man, a mulatto, in office, and now it's the turn for a woman to become president. And I'm telling you, she's going to be ten times worse than Obama, and she's going to do a number on us as a people because she's going to let you know right away. You didn't criticize Obama for eight years. You didn't protest him. And y'all Negroes ain't going to start on me because I'm setting a patent in this country now that my feminist sisters are going to now be accepted. And, hey, if y'all Negro peen women, black women want to come along, enjoy this ride, come on along. But, listen, I, I, I don't know. I, I just think that we, we're heading for more trouble than ever. And I think that the the black leadership that we supposedly have are going to look for ways to keep themselves relevant. And and you have some real dangerous individuals like this Jamal Bryant and and, and Sharpton. It's so telling what what, what Perm Daddy (laughs) may do. I mean, he's more dangerous than anyone because he's he's, he's going global now. He's the most dangerous black man in America because Think about where this guy has come from. And, I mean, I've known him for years. I've marched with him. I've done I've done all of this. I've, I've been in, in, in meetings with him. I've, I've seen him in action. And from the growth to where he has been when I got in the movement close to 25, 30 years ago to where he is now, he is probably the most dangerous black man on the planet because he can do things that most black men at this time cannot do. He he's 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 articulate. He's analytical. He's he's if he used his skills for the good of black people, we would have something. But hey, listen, he he's he's something else, man. And I and I I'll, I'll say this: I knew a long time ago close to 20 or 30 years ago when Bill Clinton did what he did to Sister Soldier. I was I was right there. I know what happened with that situation. It was Jesse Jackson, Calvin Butts, Al Sharpton, and all of them asked her not to reply to Bill Clinton. And, and let me mm-hmm. say this to you. She had the ability and the talent to put black women on a much more serious scale than they are right now because she could have dealt with him because I was there. I was in I was part of a NICER. That was the organization that we had that she 
was the head of in New York City and the work that she's doing. Kevin Powell came out of it. Um, Roz Baraka. You had um, Hak Islam, Eric Muhammad, and some other people that came out of the organization. And let me say this. If she would have been able to respond to Bill Clinton, black people would have saw him for who and what he was, and we may not have been um, – we may not have had him as president because mm-hmm. she would have ripped him a new one, but Jesse and all of them they told still, her they to know. They, that, and I know it because I was there. And I think nobody's ever really told the, the true history of of what happened. And, and, and yeah, I mean, yeah. that took a lot away from, from black women. And black women don't know because if you be honest, if you look at her and what she was doing and what she was saying, how many young sisters have come along and had the type of impact that that sister had yeah, yeah. on the stage? So, I mean, we, we I hope we find something and, you know, maybe, maybe we will. Maybe the, the Black Lives Matter movement will create someone that will – get our act together, but Farrakhan and the rest of them are doing nothing but pimping us. And I hope that um, we wake up at some point in time because, you know, I'm getting old like you, BJ, even though, you know, we we we, we got warriors coming up, M1 and M2, they go take over. <laughs> yep, yep. Or that though, right. I got to go. Warriors. Hey, yeah, we got M1 and M2 go do their thing. All right, yep. talk to you soon. Thanks, Jay, for your call. It was great to hear from you. But, you know, Yvette, I think people are beginning to to be frightened by what the future holds. They ought to be frightened by where we are now, but um, what, where we are going to be. All I'm going to do is uh, kind of like hold on and, 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 and grit my teeth because Jay is absolutely right. Um, if Hillary Clinton is the nominee, she will be elected. Um, but, you know, here we are, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yeah, and he's, he's, well, there's, there's one point that he that he made that I made about four years ago. I, I, I've been saying, you know, to the top of my lungs that Barack Obama has set the bar so low for black people. He's a, he's the first president not to even have a black agenda because, you know, I have black skin and black hair. Isn't that enough? So what is happening is that the next president, whether he be whether it be Hillary Clinton or a Republican, the next president doesn't have to do anything for black people because Barack Obama has set that precedent. So what they're going to say when you come there hat in hand and say, what about us? They're going to say, listen, I'm only following Barack Obama's guidance. He didn't do anything, and, and that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You didn't say anything then. And he's exactly right. He's exactly right. Your, your caller was exactly right. That's exactly how it's going to go down. And it was intended that way, and we fell right into the trap. And I think that's what I'm so tired of. I'm not even tired of not winning. I'm so tired of watching black people fall into the trap. I mean, it's, I mean, it's so easy nowadays to spot the traps. They've been using the same traps. Like, the traps don't even get switched up. But we here we are falling into the traps 
time and time again. And why do we fall in these traps? Because we feel the need to support any black person, no matter what they're doing is good for us or detrimental to us. We follow them regardless. And if anybody criticizes that black person, they're derided and mocked as, oh, you're another crab in a barrel. At some point, we need to let that little stupid adage go and look at what that person is bringing to the table in terms of in terms of our communities. And if they're not bringing anything worth anything, we have to hold them accountable and do everything that, you know, everything within our power to do that. I mean, you've listed a, a, a bunch of ways so far that we can we can we can bring people to counsel in terms of, you know, legally and otherwise. But you have to do it. You can't sit around and say, that's my brother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the, I, I go back to seven years ago when Barack Obama proclaimed one, when he was elected that you're going to have to make me do what you want. That's what he said. Um, and we were so enamored by the image. Images are going to kill us uh, eventually. It's just going to kill us off. Because we were so enamored by the image, we were not looking at the content when this president, I mean, I've known some brothers, you hear me? <laughs> and when this president let Joe Wilson sit there in the halls of Congress and call him a liar on national TV, he was done. Mm-hmm. He was done. Um, I mean, we have got to understand that we've got to look at results. We've got to look at outcomes. And result and outcome on, uh, only come as a result of having a mission, having a plan, a tactical and strategic direction and steps. And it's not gonna come it's not gonna come immediately, you know, like uh in the city of Boston, I'm saying to people you got people in the Boston City City Council been there for a hundred years. They haven't done anything in, in since the, it's it's been a hundred years of one year. And they and, and you and you never hear anything of substance from them and you only hear from them when it's time for them to be reelected. Those people uh-huh. need to go. Some of these nappy head, handkerchief head <laughs> uh um preachers they need to be called out. I mean, Jay brought up uh Jamal Bryant and he and he, his whole history is scary. And I knew when he showed up in Baltimore, he was there for a reason. You know, and and I was very critical, and I think you were here in March. I was very critical of uh, Elijah uh, Cummings. He shows up, Uh and he acts like he'd never been to Baltimore before in his life. (laughs) I mean, so I'm saying, wait a minute. Baltimore didn't just happen. We're going to take a break. Uh, You're listening to Our Common Ground with Yvette Carnell, the editor of BreakingBrown.com and Your Black World. The number is 347-838-9852. You can give us a call. Hold on. I'm just going to run through this real quick. Let Yvette catch your breath. 
that? Oh, that? It's my time machine. Does it work? Sure. Just hit this button. Whoa, dinosaurs. Cool. Or we can go here. Hey, that's Napoleon. Me. Or we can go to the future. Wow. Hey, you have this nice house. Do I have a nice house? No, you didn't save any money. Always spent it on vacations and stuff. If only there was a way I could go back in time and correct that bad habit. Yep. Okay, the time machine is not real, but the saving thing is. Get in the habit of putting some of your money in savings each week through a 401k, savings account, or financial investment. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy tips on saving, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. What does this crazy little button do? Wait, no! This message is brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Venus Williams. You know, I heard recently that the two main reasons for not getting an annual mammogram are limited access and fear. I know that there are low-cost and even free screenings at some hospitals and clinics, and I've even heard of mobile mammogram units in some areas. Talk about service. Look, I know getting a screening is not as exciting as shopping, but life is for living. So take the first step to breast health. Get the mammogram. For more information, please visit BreastCancerAwareness.com. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now, back to Janice. And thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground. Please don't forget to join us on Facebook and Twitter at Janice OCG. And you can join Yvette Carnell, Breaking Brown, and Yvette Carnell on Facebook and Twitter. You just have to do a little upchuck by going to BreakingBrown.com. And um, if you would like to get in touch with her and make a donation to whatever to... Okay, I'm trying this. Uh, you can go. Uh, you can email her at editor at breakingbrown dot com for speaking engagements or media appearances, and we are so pleased to be able to have her join us once again. Yvette, I, I do want to ask you if you have been reading um, to Nahisi Coates' book yet. You know, I, I I've I've committed to to reading the book, but I haven't I have not uh-huh. read the book. I have not read the book. But I I, well, I tend to do that when it, when it's on, when mm-hmm. when people have are all reading something, I tend to like wait let it die down for a little while before I you know let it get cold before I yeah, before I yeah. die. So it's not the best way probably because everybody's discussing it and it's over. But that's just kind of my way. <laughs> well, you know, I I have really enjoyed two readings of it. Um, I think that. Despite the differences in politics and the differences in generation, I I I grew up as an activist with his father Paul Coates, 
And mm-hmm. so I have paid particular attention to his uh, career. I think he is one of the finest writers about black experience in 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 contemporary history. I really do. I mean, I have been so moved. I've, I'm now in the process of trying to make time to read uh, the book to my 13, 14-year-old grandson. I want to read it to him. Uh, I don't want to just give him the book and he walks away, he reads it. He, he, but he read um, Michelle Alexander's book, Jim, The New Jim Crow, this summer. And mm-hmm. I think he has some grasp, and it's really nice. Let's go to the phone, 914. You're on the air. I respect you. Thank you Thank you for joining the conversation with Yvette Cornell. Okay, 914, is that me? Yes, it is. Okay, good. good. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for taking my call. I'm, I'm Sirius X1 here in the chat room. Oh, okay. You've been asking questions and commenting in our chat room. Thank you for that. Well, you're very welcome. And um, I'm a new listener to your show as well. And um, also I want to say that I have also heard and seen that video that Yvette had done, which I found was quite interesting. But um, mm-hmm. I'm calling because you all were on the issue of um, the the march that Farrakhan had had last Saturday. Yes. And um, me... Um, I once was a follower of Farrakhan as far back as the 70s. However, I don't follow him anymore. And furthermore, it was in the 90s when I realized that he still he was then still saying the same things in the 90s that he was saying in the 70s. And then now, in 2015, he's still saying the same thing. A case in point with that justice or else situation. We now found out what the or else was. If to him, if America doesn't change its ways and the ways in which it treats black folk, God, Allah, is going to send wind and rains and hurricanes like we've never seen before. We've heard that before. Same thing. Now, also, I also wanted to have um, brought up about what he said about Malcolm and or what he did say about Malcolm as well. Okay, as we recall, well, what I'm going to say here is that um, the only thing that Farrakhan, in my opinion, really said about Malcolm's assassination was him seeking to absolve himself from any complicity in Malcolm's assassination. Not saying that he had any direct complicity in Malcolm's assassination, but as is known, he somewhat, him and the Nation of Islam, somewhat set the stage for Malcolm's assassination by, first of all, ostracizing him from the nation. And the thing is, what I found somewhat, um, well, not interesting, but irksome and bothersome, was when, during the end of the march, Farrakhan brought up those very children that Malcolm had accused Elijah of of having had fathered illegitimately. Uh And I thought, listen to this now. Now it can be said, after the Malcolm is dead, and which was the main reason that got him out of the nation of Islam, and also that's the reason why Malcolm not necessarily left, but why the jealousy started amongst those in the hierarchy of the Nation of Islam, mm-hmm. primarily because, as Malcolm has said, the nation was just all talk, no action. Malcolm wanted to bring the, the nation into the mainstream, as we know, of the civil rights movement, if we know. But the hierarchy mm-hmm. didn't want that. They still wanted to make M-O-N-E-Y. So um, wow. I've said that, and that's enough. 
Thanks for taking my Sirius call. Sirius X1, you have brought up some, some serious issues. Uh, let me say this before we get a response from um, from Yvette Cornell. One of, there, are two, there were two things going on. One, that Malcolm was bringing a lot of spotlight on the nation. And if you recall at the time, Elijah Muhammad was having severe problems with the IRS. And the other is that there were people, including Brother Minister Farrakhan, who was jockeying out of jealousy to peg Malcolm down in the nation hierarchy. And, of course, the other stuff that we do know about the illegitimate children and the fornication with minors and the whole nine yards um, and but I think that people don't pay enough attention about how the how the IRS was dead up in the nation of Islam at the time. Also, the Department of Justice. So um, Malcolm, you know, Malcolm was in in between a rock and a hard place. Yvette. Well, well, you 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 remember that 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 also that. That Elijah Muhammad was wasn't in the best health, and he didn't want to go to jail again. So, so yes. you know, he had told he had reportedly told all of his advisors, "I don't, I, I, I'm not, I'm not doing that again." He was he was deathly afraid of 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 being a sick man in jail again, and he kind of felt that that's where that's where Malcolm, you know, that's where that was going to end. But but you know, I mean, Farrakhan said that you know, you know, prior to that, the Malcolm was deserving of death. And afterwards, he said, if we dealt with Malcolm like a trader deals with a trader, what business is it of yours? And a man who says that, you know, is is not going to get my support on anything ever in this lifetime. I mean, you you know, Mm -hmm. even if he didn't have a hand in it, the role that he played for setting the stage and the role that he played in terms of dismissing it after it was over with, you know, you, you you had Malcolm X himself said that 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 the 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 nation of Islam was hunting him down and was trying to kill them that he knew it for a fact. He said that in more than one interview. So this is not mm-hmm. something that I'm saying or anyone else is saying. This is something that Malcolm said before he died. So I mean yep. when when you look at it, you know, it when you look at it, you know, I can't I can't excuse that. I can't I can't I can't I can't I, I just can't be a part of it. I can't look at Farrakhan now as if that as if that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Sirius, thank you so very much for your call, and thank you for joining us and being a new listener, and we hope you'll continue uh, to join us and get get these conversations rolling. Yes, I certainly will. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to go to 111. You're on the air. Thank you for your call. I respect you. With Yvette Cornell. Peace, peace, one, one, peace. One. Peace. Hello. Yes, you're Can you on hear me, sir? Yes. How you doing? I'm doing good. We've only good, got a, a a small amount of time. Which you yes, comment? I understand. Yeah, I understand. I want to follow up on the brother um, that about Malcolm. I don't know if you all remember the book by Manny Marble. Um, yes. That was talking about Malcolm it was so slanderous that put out there that Malcolm was a homosexual. The Nation of Islam. Um, Help helps him write that book. They 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 were advisors in writing that book. I heard uh, Minister Akbar Muhammad on the Carl Nelson show the other morning talking about it. You can podcast that and um, hear that 
that interview with um, Akbar Muhammad. But also why Minister Farrakhan is so all over the place is because the nation of Islam is no longer the nation of Islam anymore. They're following Dianetics and Scientology. So the nation of Islam is not the nation of Islam that we once knew it. You know, just regurgitating it, trying to get a hole and track some new younger people in. They're in the schools, they're in, in the colleges, and they're trying to get all these people in the way to happiness literature, and they're just trying to, they just, they just, they just all over the place, you know. And, and you know, that Scientology is nothing but a pyramid scam, you know. Talking about the mine and L. Ron Hubbard, and so that's where they are right now. And, and I mean, I'm just, I'm just blown away at how many people are still following the guy. I mean, a lot of people went because they felt like, well, I didn't go to the last one, so I want to go this time, and I want to get, get capture the moment and the spirit and. Blah blah blah, but um, yeah, it's it's, it's we we gotta call them out. You know, they got they got yeah. temples and um, Scientology temples in Harlem and Inglewood. You know mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. and and that's where, where that's where they hold from? their mosque. I'm calling from Aberdeen, Maryland. Oh, yeah, I was I was in the nation back. I was in the nation back in the day, but when they when they assassinated Khaled, I won't go into all of that. He was assassinated. And Malik Fool Yushabaz had a hand in that, you know, as uh-huh. well. <laughs> but yeah, um, nobody's, I, I, I left nobody's talking about how this new Black Panther Party is connected to the Nation of Islam. And it was really interesting that they had no presence at the rally last weekend. None. Yeah, they, they, well, I, I, I heard um, that Shabazz was folded and spoke. But they pulled the plug on it. But, you know, he's not spokesman for the Black Panthers. He's black lawyers for justice or something. But, I mean, what, what kind of justice? You know, they aren't filing yeah, any charges yeah. against any police. I mean, he, yeah. he's an agent, too. You know, they're all working there. But Jamal Bryant, they're all working together to just take black people down a hole, you know, to nowhere. Yep. Aberdeen, you got right. it so right. It's right as rain. <laughs> Thank you for your call. Right, we got to run. But, you know, make sure you, you know, I, I tell people, why does everybody wait till 10 minutes time to shut shut this thing down? Um, oh, well, I'm, so I'm on the plantation. I got to go run. Peace. <laughs> okay. Peace back at you, brother. I mean, this guy, um, I, I, I think that that, um, people saw through a lot of what was going on, and 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 I'm I'm not sure in the Native American thing that was going on, and you know my my friend Ben Carnes, he and I talked about that, and he said, "What the hell?" So so we <laughs> we've got we just got so much work to do in our community, and the thing is that if if you know more about empire and scandal and 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 you haven't read you graduated from college 40 years ago and you haven't read a book since I, we we have got so much work to do and i'm not sure if people like jamal bryant and others you know the td jakes and the whole nine yards if they too haven't killed off 
uh, one of the finest, deepest resources that we have for community building. I'm just not sure of that. Got a lot of stuff to do. Yvette Carnell, thank you so very much for joining us again. You got to come back. You know, we got to get you on a rotation every time. I'm I'm uh, I'm always open. I tell people I said I, I put it on my page when I said I was coming on here. I said I don't really like it. I don't do no. I don't do radio anymore. People know I don't. I don't. I can't do it. I don't do it. But I said, oh, I just oh, but I I gotta go see Jess. She calls me. I'm there. I gotta go. I love the conversation. So. Anytime well, you want to do it, we just try to keep it real. We just try to keep it open. But you know, we have got to learn to be passionately outraged and reasonable and thinkers about what stuff means. We've got to examine every dot. And I'm telling you folks, if you if there's any if there's any opportunity at a national level to try to change and create some some openings, some windows for legislative initiatives. Because policy is the only thing that's going to change this. Policy to fire some of these police department uh, chiefs and, and I mean, there should, there should be no question that in Chicago, Los Angeles, Seattle, Boston, New York City, Atlanta, Memphis, New Orleans, Austin, Dallas, that every time a police officer puts on a uniform and gets a key to get in a car, they should be drug tested. Mm-hmm. That's simple. That's so simple. I mean, uh, even corp- uh, private corporations do it all the time. Yvette, thank you so very much, and you come back. We're going to be looking for you in December um, uh, by the time this thing starts gearing up. And thank you out there for being with us tonight at Our Common Ground. Don't forget, next week, our, our, our series on rebellion and resistance with Dr. Ruby Sales, she'll be back, and we're going to be looking for you. Thanks for being with us. We rush into battle. We're soldiers. We get hurt in the fight. We suck it up and we hold it down and we don't question. I like it or not. So I'm not asking you for the truth. I know the truth. So what I'm asking you is, what is your end game? You've been listening to Our Common Ground. Thank you for tuning in tonight. I'm Janice Graham. If it's Saturday... At 10 p.m., I'll be listening for you. Next Saturday, join us with Wendell Potter. We'll be talking with Wendell as he returns. Wendell Potter will about not be book here. And about Dr. Ruby the affordable health care. Janice, what are you talking about? Do us a favor and yourself as well. Tell your friends about this broadcast. And join us on TruthWorks Network Wednesdays and Fridays with Soul of Fire and the Alpha Show. That's you can true. find Truth our Works coming Network. around Janice, on Facebook, what are you talking on Tumblr, about? on Pinterest, and Twitter. <laughs> I, I really Janice don't know what OCG. you're talking about. Thanks again. Somebody fired his and don't forget, audio engineer up in I'll here. be listening for you. A man! We 
are fixers. Try to get back. Fix things. We are fixers because we have children, because we have future, and because we owe it to our ancestors. We fix things. We stand. We tell the truth. We deal with our truth face on. We, the children of Shaka Zulu, we are gladiators. 